Good morning, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, Mr. Chris Strayer. Chris grew up in Linnitz, where he could be found hustling, shoveling snow, or sweeping floors to raise money for his first stage lighting purchase. His live event production career began at WJTL, where he produced local concerts and helped administer music festivals. With a passion for community service, Chris served as chief on the Lancaster Hazmat team for several years and continues to support community initiatives through volunteerism and services through his company, Stray Production Services. Stray is based on the Rock Lidditz campus and offers a full complement of audio, visual, lighting, and event design needs, as well as a division focused on permanent systems integration. Chris lives in Lidditz with his wife, three daughters, four chickens, three goats, one Labrador, and one pet rabbit. Chris, how are you doing today? I am great. Thanks for the uh, opportunity. Absolutely. So you mentioned in the bio that you you were uh, really hustling as a as a child to do these production services. What what was it <clears> in <throat> you that made you want to do these like production services? Uh, I don't know that the hustling as a child necessarily was because of wanting to necessarily be in the production business. I think it was more of just the desire to make some money, and uh, we didn't we didn't grow up with much. And so if I uh, if I wanted money, I had to figure out a way to to, you know, to make it. So, um, my kids don't have the pleasure of, uh, experience some of the snowstorms like we did as, as a kid, but you know, I, I found myself waking up bright and early and I was out there shoveling the snow and trying to make, you know, make the money turn a couple bucks, uh, before I had to head to school after the two hour delay, or, uh, you know, if I was super fortunate and we were closed, I could be shoveling the snow all day long. And I just have like tons of stories of different ways. I, I made money as a kid, uh, Cause that's, again, that's just what I had to do. If I wanted, if I wanted something, I had to work hard to get to it. What do you think was your number one money-making strategy as a kid? Ooh, man, that is a hard question. Um, I mean, I think the snow thing works pretty well. I mean, I can appreciate now that I'm older that I don't necessarily want to <laughs> shovel snow, although I have a snow blower. So, and, and truth be told, I actually have a plow as well. So there's definitely some fun to that element, but you know, when you would knock on the door of somebody's uh, house and say, Hey, I'll shovel your sidewalk for five bucks i mean most of them are like sure have at it um and so again i could i could turn a, a good amount of money fairly quickly with a little bit of uh you know hard work uh with my snow shovel but i actually remember as a kid uh and i don't quite remember what year it was or or how it all worked but i do remember that i like saved enough money from shoveling uh the snow the one winter that i was able to actually go out and i bought an electric snow blower and so then I strapped that electric snowblower to my uh, dad's toboggan that he had bought us and strapped it there. And I had like a crate of extension cords and I'd pull that around Lidditz. And again, I'd use my electric snowblower now to like uh, try to clean off snow on, on sidewalks and driveways. And, and then I actually earned enough money that I was able to invest into a gas snowblower. So I just had that natural progression of, of you know, working hard and then buying something and working hard and buying something bigger and then just continuing to, to uh, expand that. But I did it that in, in many, many ways. I remember as a kid, like uh, going to Sharp Shopper with my mom and maybe having like two bucks to my name and I'd buy two bucks of candy. Now, nowadays you can buy maybe a candy bar for two bucks, but back then you could buy at Sharp Shopper. You could buy half a dozen candy bars and I'd lay them out on my uh, dresser at home and uh, and I'd put a you know for sale sign and sell them to my brothers and the neighbor kids and uh, try to make some money off of them all. So you were, you were a... A very hustler, very much a hustler at, at your age. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, another one, 
uh, another one that I uh, remember pretty clearly is uh, uh, Wilbur Chocolate, uh, the the candy store there. Um, they used to sell, uh, well, they still sell the candy bars, but they also sold uh, the Wilbur bar in orange or mint. And for whatever reason, the orange and mint were always 50 cents compared to the regular candy bar, which is a dollar. Um, so what I would do is I'd go down there with a buck or two. So let's just say I went down with two bucks and I'd buy, you know, two orange and two mint candy bars. And then I go knocking on doors, uh, and might not have been telling the truth when I was selling them that I was selling it for like football or basketball or something. And I'd sell them for a buck a piece. So naturally if I went down with two bucks and I sold, uh, you know, the four candy bars, all of a sudden I had eight bucks cause I sold them for, uh, I'm sorry. I sold them for four bucks, uh, two bucks. And then I turned it into four bucks and I go back and I buy more. And so I could like in a, in a day, I could take that my $2 and like quickly, you know, multiply that pretty quickly, uh, by just knocking on doors and selling my, these candy bars for, you know, twice as much as I bought them for again, probably shouldn't have lied to them and told them I was selling it for baseball or football is more for my, whatever thing I wanted to buy that week. But I always, always was trying to find a way to make a couple dollars. Incredible. So how did that mindset as a kid help you as an adult to build uh, to build a business? I mean, that's pretty much how we built the business. So uh, Stray really started as a hobby. Um, back in 1999, I spent uh, $200 and purchased some used lights. Um, and I quickly figured out for uh, basically 100 bucks a weekend, I could rent those lights out. So I took that $200, I invested it into some used lighting uh, from a local coffee house that was uh, going out of business. And then I started renting it out for 100 bucks a weekend. Uh, and then I just quickly uh, continued to reinvest. I, for years, never took money for myself, never took money for my fuel, my time, nothing. I just took that money and put it back in. And then in, as time went on, I could buy something else and then buy something else and then buy something else. And really, that's that's pretty much how Stray started. Um, we, uh, you know, basically built it from 200 bucks and a lot of hard work and a lot of sweat equity. Um, and, you know, now it's not just me. There's a bunch of employees. And, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, we're at Rock Lidditz, which is the uh, the production hub of the for sure the Northeast, if not, uh, you know, North America. Um, and it's just been a, an interesting ride for sure uh, since 1999. So before that, you you worked at the Hazmat team in Lancaster. I, uh, as I tell people, uh, in a previous life, I was involved in the emergency services. And so um, I've done a lot of different things. Uh, I think you mentioned in the bio, I was also involved at uh, WJTL and doing a lot of their concert stuff. But yeah, I volunteered for the County Hazmat team. If I had to guess, that started in 20 maybe 2000, 2001, something like that. Um, and, you know, I had a lot of flexibility with my schedule when I was working at WJTL. Um, and so that allowed me to leave, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that allowed me to leave often in the middle of the day for emergency calls, um, which really I think was part of what, uh, between that and then just my dedication to the hazmat team, uh, really launched me into leadership there. Uh, so I, uh, you know, started as just a, a peon that really knew nothing and, uh, and took a lot of the trainings and just continued to work my way up. And then when I got out of the hazmat business, uh, that was probably seven, almost seven years ago. Now, uh, I, I left as basically being the highest ranking possible, which I was the chief of the county's hazmat team for about, uh, the six years previous. So, so I'm curious, what kind of stuff do those kind of like, that, does that team deal with? <clears throat> uh, 
we deal with everything. Uh, you know, they they uh, do a lot of fuel spills uh, out here on 222, out by uh, the college here. Uh, there's obviously tons of traffic. Uh, so I spent many days on 222 dealing with a lot of tra- tractor-trailer accidents. Uh, but then also, you know, chlorine leaks, ammonia leaks. Um, the biggest uh, incident that I was involved in uh, that I think I think it was the one where I said, okay, I've kind of, I've plateaued. I'm I'm done here. I don't need to do anything more. Uh, Was if I had to guess, maybe somewhere around 2015, uh, there was an incident uh, in the Landisville area where a, a rail car, a couple rail cars actually carrying um, uh, pentane, which is kind of similar to um, propane. uh, They were unloading and in the process caught fire. Um, And so uh, naturally the hazmat team got called to that. And of course, fire companies from all over the, uh, all over the County were there and, and just dumping water and water on this thing. And, uh, when we got there, um, I was for the first, I don't know, 45 minutes or so, uh, not just was I there as the chief for the hazmat team, but I was the only rail car specialist. So I was the only person that had been, uh, uh, only one on scene who had gone to Colorado and taken rail car specialist classes. Uh, for these type of incidents. Uh, and basically uh, what was determined was the only way to uh, get this fire out was to, of course, cut off the source, which is pretty much how fire works. You cut off the source, you, you know, the fire goes away. Uh, the problem is, and, and what most people might not realize is with rail cars, uh, the way you cut that source off is you need to get up on top of it to shut the valves down. Uh, so uh, that involved myself, uh, plus another guy coming in to back me up. And basically we, you know, we suited up in our fire gear and I went across the plank that kind of goes up onto the rail car that was on fire and started turning the valves. Great. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I went up there, I did as quick as I could. I got off of that rail car as quick as I could, you know, again, there's fire kind of ripping up the sides of the rail car. Um, and, uh, you know, in time, it eventually it took a couple hours, but eventually did stop because the source had been and cut off. Uh, but I remember calling my wife who, you know, was fairly in tune with what's going on in the county. Um, I'm sure she heard it on the news or something. And I just said to her, uh, I said, hey, I just want you to know I'm OK, but you're definitely not going to be happy with what I just did. <laughs> um, and like I said, that was kind of the plateau. I think that was the point where I said, OK, I've, I've reached the top. I don't think I'm going to be involved in a much cooler incident, so to speak. And, uh, I think it's time to move on and, and, and work on my exit strategy. Uh, and by that point I knew stray was going to be moving to rock Lidditz, and I just had so many eggs in my basket that I needed to start cleaning, clean the basket out a little bit and figuring out where the priorities need to be. So you, you've now surrounded a lot of jobs. What made you settle down on production? I was, that, is that a love of yours or some days? i mean we do a lot of fun things and and get involved in a lot of cool uh cool things uh especially because of our relationship with rock lidditz um but no i you know as a kid i was always interested in lights and sound i helped at church uh helped at the coffee house we used to run at church uh with the lighting and the sound and you know so my involvement was there of course in school i was involved with helping with some of the musicals and the plays Uh, and then when i turned 15 I was able to actually start helping with WJTL's concerts. Um, they have a lot of volunteers that help them set up and tear down their concerts. I found out about this. Uh, and so I started actually helping with their concerts. Uh, I don't think they allow this anymore at Warwick, but uh, back then I, I would take days off of school to go help with the concerts. And uh, my parents would just write a note that said, hey, he was on an educational trip. Um, 
I think it could be argued whether it was education or not, but back then maybe, but, you know, fast forward to now, you could say, well, gosh, this is what this guy does, you know? Um, and so it proved to be uh, truly educational and, and, and steered my direction uh, for, for the future, for sure. So that's great. I, I mean, I wish schools took that in, into more account when I was in school. Like uh, music is something I want to do and it's a valid option as well as anything else. Yeah, I think um, I think more and more schools are. Uh, I know, again, my um, I went to Warwick. My kids uh, go to Warwick. I think Warwick's continuing to be very progressive when it comes to the music department. Uh, I have I have one particular kid who's very heavily involved in it. But but again, uh, I would agree with you. I think there's a lot of focus on on sports and football and that kind of stuff as well. Um, and uh, I think there needs to be equal uh, opportunity for the for the music programs. And and I really think in in central Pennsylvania, uh, especially with a campus like Rock Lidditz, where there's you know hundreds of uh, people being employed there through various different companies. Um, I think there needs to even be a more concerted effort in this area about the the music and entertainment industry for sure. Interesting. Because I, I, from my perspective, I, I think they do really well here comparatively to where I grew up, I guess. Yeah. Again, I, I think it can only be better though. That's that's true. So what is it like to be on Rock Linux with Claire Audio Brother and, and all of these big names, essentially? Uh, it's intimidating some days, to be honest with you. Um, we... Uh, we, you know, we showed up on campus. We were one of the, uh, one of the earlier businesses to show up, uh, on campus. We were, we are, we are still in pod two, uh, right now. And when we showed up, we definitely felt like, my goodness, we're, we're not like, we're not supposed to be here. This is not the right place for us. Um, just because again, you know, you're, you're rubbing shoulders with people that are dealing with, uh, Madonna and you too. Right. And, you know, the, um, Grammys and the Emmys and, and, and we're just like, oh yeah, we're doing this fundraiser for so-and-so at the, at the, um, convention center, or we're doing this event at the country club. And so it, it's a completely different level, but I'll be honest with you. Uh, they have been nothing but gracious to us, have, uh, opened us with, uh, open arms and, uh, have been just really, really good to us. In fact, just this morning, uh, one of the, uh, the president of one of the companies, uh, one of the anchor companies, that's, that's a huge part of Rocklet. It's, you know, he emailed me this morning and said, Hey, I'd love to just get together with you and have breakfast. Uh, mm. and I, and I, my response to him is I'm, I'm honored that you'd even do that. Like he's got to have a million other things to do. You know, he's got hundreds of employees, again, a long, uh, list of, uh, high end clientele. And he wants to just break bread with me for, you know, 30 minutes or an hour and, um, check in with me and and that's that's incredible that's incredible so it's a great experience for uh, for us all there it's awesome because just as the u2s are needed so are the small festivals around Linux or or around the county are needed as well correct and i mean and that's really what we've um we've become the anchor for you know uh what we tell people is uh surely we will travel and we will do you know work wherever the work is but for the most part at the end of the day we just really prefer to sleep in our own beds uh, and so when you start talking about the events like, uh, you know, the Lidditz Craft Beer Fest or uh, another big event we do every year is uh, with an organization called Horizon. They do a big gala in at the uh, at the Lancaster Convention Center. Um, and so when you start talking about all these different events that we're involved in, that's really what we do and what we we love to be involved in and love to be a part of. So is your goal for Shrey to be more a localized production company as opposed to a bigger production company or? 
So, I mean, that is definitely what we are. We are the local go-to. And so if you would call, uh, say, Claire, um, which is the world's largest sound company, um, if you call Claire and say, hey, I'm going to do this event in at the convention center, uh, 99% of the time they're going to say to you, we're not the right company. Call our friends over here at Stray. Um, every once in a blue moon, there might be something that they, they for whatever reason, perks their interest, uh, but very, very rarely uh, do they do that kind of stuff? And so, yeah, we've just uh, positioned ourselves to be the go-to for the local events. And that's really big or small. Uh, you know, we're dealing with customers who might be dealing, you know, doing a small thing where maybe they just need to rent a small production, a small PA or something like that, a little $500 thing. And, th- and that's fine. We're, we're there to serve them and help them and make sure their event's successful. Uh, and then, of course, we're doing events that are, you know, more in that six-figure range as well. Uh, and so it's just all over the gamut. But yeah, for the most part, we're we're focused on that local production element. We get out of, out of the area once in a while. We've got a crew next week going to Florida for an event. Uh, last year we sent a team to California for an event, but again, for the most part, we just, we like, we like being home when we can. That's great. So, so if you had it your way, you would rather have it localized as opposed to nationwide. Yes, for sure. Uh, I, I do believe so. But you know, the other thing is I'm a little bit different when it comes to business. Um, I know there's a lot of guys out there that would say, well, you have to have this business plan and this business model and this and that. And I'm really just not that way. Um, I'm really just focused on creating a great work environment and creating great customer service for our customers. Uh, And so we're going to just walk through the doors that open that make sense. Um, And so we're not focused on, hey, we want to make X dollars a year or, hey, we want to do reach, you know, start a branch office in Ohio or whatever, you know what I mean? Whatever it might be. Now, if that door opens, Hey, we're willing to pursue that, but we're just kind of just going to keep doing our thing and try to be the best we can at it. And, uh, just walk through the, whatever doors the Lord opens, I guess. So what are some of the most fun events or most interesting events that you've been able to be a part of? Hmm. Very good question. Well, um, you know, t- two of the more recent ones uh, that we did that probably come to mind that are, are fairly sizable is we were in, uh, involved in the governor's inaugural ball, which was actually held at Rocklet. It's in January. Um, so that was a fun event. That was a collaborative effort between uh, ourselves and a bunch of other Rocklet. It's companies uh, to the liking of um, uh, Claire and Tate and Atomic. Um, trying to think who else was involved. There's a bunch of us. Four wall. Uh, so again, we all can't, it came to the table. We had different pieces of the puzzle that we could provide. Uh, and then we all just made, you know, made a great event happen. Uh, of course, one of the bigger ones that, um, rock it's really hangs its hat on is, uh, we got involved with the vaccination center, um, that was held here in Lancaster. Uh, and that's kind of a unique story. And I think it really, uh, regardless of, of what your opinion is on the vaccine, uh, at the end of the day, I think it just, it just was a great uh, collaborative event uh, that was uh, a bunch of people that you might not think uh, being in a vaccination center would do, but uh, you know, we put our heads together and and produced a great product. Um, But essentially the local hospital here, um, uh, you know, approached Rock Lidditz and said, Hey, we want to do this mass vaccination center. Um, We obviously know how to put vaccines in people, you know, stick people with needles, but gosh, when it comes to moving large quantities of people, when it comes to uh, setting this up and tearing this down and having the manpower to do it, we're just not sure we have that. And when we started having, you know, conversations internally, Rock Lidditz has got some of that, uh, you know, that that skill set. They're used to putting people through festival, 
festivals and concerts and so on. And, and not to mention because of COVID right now, for the most, for the most part, Rocklitz was setting pretty idle. Uh, as far as what work was coming in. And so it was a great time for the, some of the Rocklitz companies to just come together uh, and work with the local hospitals here and then just make a go of that. So that's a great example of how, how to adapt for a production company during, you know, the entire world shutting down for a few hot seconds. Yeah. And it wasn't a few hot seconds. No, it, it was, it was it longer was... than that for sure. <laughs> yeah, but, <right. laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. Uh, COVID's scared me pretty hard. Um, and rightfully so. I, uh, you know, I had to lay employees off, um, which was, you know, one of the hardest things in my, in my life to do. I certainly found myself crying at times, just scared, like, you know, this thing that we've built, uh, my wife and I, and, and many of our other employees, frankly, you know, it might go down the drain really quick, uh, cause of COVID. Cause how are we going to, how are we going to pay our bills and what, how's this going to work? You know, they, they said two weeks, but I was smart enough to know this wasn't going to be two weeks. Um, yeah, right. Two weeks. And so, uh, you know, it was it was a scary time. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the word pivot. I think I heard it too much during COVID. But, you know, the, at the end of the day, we did pivot. We we made a lot of changes and we um, just knocked on a lot of doors. And, and much to my own surprise, uh, on the other side of it, uh, you know, 2020 ended up being a, a fairly decent year for us. 2021 was a stellar year. Um, and so... Uh, I think that's just because we were able to be that local go-to company. Um, excuse me. So when people had uh, a problem or a situation, we were able to have a solution for them. And so you may have had an organization that says, hey, we're used to doing this this gala or this fundraiser, but gosh, we can't do it the same way. You know, How can you help us? And we had plenty of options. Um, we are strategically um, in a place right now where we're one of the uh, only companies in central Pennsylvania that air, uh, own mobile stages. Uh, and so again, when it came to schools saying, Hey, we want to do a graduation. We really want to make this happen. We don't want to do something virtual, you know, what opportunities, uh, you know, can you help us with? And so we were able to do some outdoor graduations, some drive-in style graduations. Uh, in fact, I think we did LBCs here, uh, the one, yeah. the one year, um, but then again, with those ones that wanted to do something virtual, we were we were willing to uh, do that for them as well. And so, again, just being full service and just being able to help people, uh, you know, get to the finish line. That's kind of what we're focused on. That's absolutely great. So how have you seen uh, COVID is kind of in the backseat a little bit now? How have you seen? Sure hope so. Uh, yeah, I hope sure it stays back there. <laughs> how have you seen? How have the changes from COVID affected your business now? Do you do a lot more of virtual stuff, or is it kind of back to the uh, meat and potatoes, so to say, of of the business? Yeah, no, I think it's pretty much, for the most part, getting back to normal. Uh, virtuals, it, it still happens where we might be streaming something in addition to live, but for the most part, it is uh, not something that we are. Uh, doing much virtual of anymore. Thank God. Uh, I definitely enjoy doing the live stuff way more. And uh, that's certainly a lot more fun. So, so what do you think is next for Stray? Again, I don't really know. Um, we've grown leaps and bounds uh, in crazy, crazy amount of, of growth. Um, and like I said, we don't, I try not really try hard just to not, um, it's not that I'm driving like recklessly and I don't have plans. I have <laughs> ideas sometimes in my head, but uh, most of them are just really uh, build off of relationships and uh, just the doors that open and just trying to examine like, is this the right, is this the right time with the right person or the right organization? Um, 
like I said, we're just going to keep doing what we do and uh, try to have a good time doing it and and try to serve our, our customers well uh, and really try to serve our employees and their families well in the process. So getting into a little bit of, of the faith wise, how do you as a Christian influence the, because you know, the music industry is, is, is not a, a very nice one sometimes. How do you as a Christian want to influence that or uh, take part in that and help make the, in, the music industry a brighter place? I don't know if this is just a thing for me growing up, um, but there was that there was that song uh, that I feel like we sung a lot and I feel like it had like a high uh, male voice uh, part to it. But, it, you know, where the men are singing, they will know we are Christians by our love. Um, and that's just really, really what I, I want straight to be like i want us to to have people wonder what makes these guys different and these gals different and 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 really that's just the way we care for people uh trying to go the extra mile trying to be um you know really a part of their team um we're not there just to provide something for them uh you know often i think sometimes people think well they're just there to be our sound company but at the end of the day whether we're there to be the sound company or the or the video company or the lighting company or the staging like we're there to make sure their event's successful and we're willing to go the extra mile um, to do that because, you know, at the end of the day, if their event's successful, they likely will call us again. If their event's successful, people who are there might say, Hey, did you, who did you use? You know, and it was stray. So again, just trying to show um, love and kindness and generosity to our clientele uh, and, and our customers is really what we try to do uh, first and foremost, for sure. So here's a question I like to ask all my friends in faith. Where do you find yourself most in tune with God? Oh, geez. It's a heart. <laughs> <laughs> Can you expand on that one a little bit? So <clears throat> another another question that might lead well into this is what 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 do you feel is worship to you? Like where do you find yourself most worshiping God? Uh man. Well, first and foremost, I love worship music. Um, and I listen to it all the time. Just just yesterday, I was having a conversation with a, a local worship leader, just saying about how I want to find find a way to do some kind of worship event locally, some point, um, whether that's with a, a a big worship artist or a local worship artist or whatnot. I just I love uh, a good worship uh, song. I'll put one together. There you go. So, <laughs> and there's no shortage of of worship music out there between uh, WJTL and uh, gosh, what's the other station now that's out there? Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember either. That tells you how good they are, but they are good. They play mostly worship music. Uh, and so there's tons of great worship music out there. Uh, I find myself listening to worship music, honestly, pretty dang, pretty dang off. And I listen to it, uh, in the morning, sometimes when I make a breakfast, uh, louder than I think my kids want it to be and, uh, listen to it in my truck fairly often as well. Um, but you know, like, again, we just try to be, um, we try to be examples of Christ through what we're doing. Um, and you know, we're not perfect. We screw things up. Um, I think one thing that's challenging with, with, uh, a company like ours is it's all, it's all revolving around technology. Um, and sometimes technology fails us, whether that's in a live event or whether that's a permanent installation, like it's just not perfect. Technology is a lot like humans and it's not perfect. Um, but when something goes wrong, we try to own it. We try to, uh, fix it. Uh, and, and we try to, to, um, you know, again, just put our best foot forward. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's really, 
that's just kind of how we're showing love. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't even know if I answered your question really, but yeah, it's so a back to the question. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, where do you find yourself most in tune of God? Is it when you're putting on a really great show and you're just showing, uh, all, all the skills that God has given you, or is it when you're in the worship, worship service and you're, 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 you're really just into it. Or is that when you're in nature? Uh, I don't get into nature much. Um, I mean, I spend a fair amount of time um, laying in bed praying about things, and I spend a fair amount of time driving. And again, I think between worshiping and praying for stuff, I think that's that's really where uh, I spend a lot of time uh, with the connecting points. Um, you know, what we do, uh, again, there's a lot of things that that pivot on a, a successful event, whether it's the weather whether it's, you know, safety, uh, you know, the guys and gals going to Florida next week, of course, travel, uh, getting the equipment down there. So the, the truck driver, um, but again, just praying to God for, for grace and mercy, uh, and just, uh, watching over our people. Um, I think, um, one thing that's really tricky, uh, I don't even know why I'm talking about this, but you know, one thing that's interestingly and tricky is I pretty much stopped praying about the weather. Um, a couple of years ago, I realized that praying for good weather is probably one of the most selfish things you can ask for. Um, because what I found myself doing is I'd be like, Lord, can you just give us great weather on Saturday? We have this event we need to do. And gosh, I really want just no rain, Lord. That would just be, that'd be awesome. Um, you can rain on Friday on somebody else's event and it's okay to rain on Sunday on that other person's event, but the event I have to do is Saturday. So just give me amazing weather. And it just felt like it's selfish um, because at the end of the day, we need, we need rain to survive. Um, and so I've, you know, of course I don't love working out in the rain. I don't like it when our events get canceled or postponed because of rain, it really throws a, a wrench in what we do. Um, but I've tried to just not pray that anymore. I just think that, you know, if it's, if it's got to rain that day, it's going to rain and we're going to figure it out. We're going to do our best to do, you know, put our best foot forward. Uh, and if it's going to rain the next day, that's fine too. Uh, but, but again, we need, we need rain to survive. So it's just one of those things I stopped praying for. That's super interesting. A really unique perspective on that. I'm sure people will tell me for some reason I'm wrong, but it just, it just seems selfish. Yeah, no, it, it really does. Um, and you know, naturally I, you know, we've done, you know, we've done events. Um, I'm trying to even think the graduation outdoor graduation we did here at LBC, I think there was kind of a hint of rain or it rained in the morning so. or something. And, you know, again, we would really just prefer it to be dry. It makes our life a lot easier when we bring equipment back or cables back or whatnot, and they're covered in dirt or mud or whatever. It's just way more work for us. But, you know, we need to, uh, we naturally need, you know, water to survive. Rain's very important to our life. Um, and so asking for that to be held off for our event, but then rain on someone else's event just seems, just doesn't seem like showing love to people. So we kind of talked about kind of some of maybe the worst case scenarios in terms of technology or weather. What are some of the funniest or maybe worst things that's ever happened on a staging event? Oh, man. Hmm. I don't even know if I can think of anything. Um, you know, funny, we uh, the team at Stray, we're, we're all about having a good time and joking around with one another. So I think we try to make every day funny. Uh, there's always, you know, jokes being busted left and right. And, and I think everyone understands we're just having a good time and, and really trying to, 
just trying to enjoy our, ourselves. Um, as far as uh, serious or dangerous, um, you know, knock on wood, I, I think we've got a pretty good track record. We try to take safety, uh, you know, first and foremost. I'm not saying people don't get hurt. We've certainly had our share of uh, trip and fall accidents. If you do workman's comp research, you'll find out that's the most common. Right. Um, but, you know, we try to, again, we try to offer a great uh, product and we try to do it in a safe manner. Um, you know, the only thing, you know, here I can think of one. This was, oh, this was so embarrassing, honestly. Uh, I was actually helping set up for a wedding for someone uh, locally in Lidditz and it was in their own barn and we were, we were stringing these cafe lights, which are pretty common now. Uh, people like those cafe bistro lights where there's like a light bulb every foot or two. And so we're stringing out all these lights and back and forth in this barn. And, and, and the way we rigged it up, it was proved to be maybe not the right way. And all of a sudden this uh, one cable or clamp or something just let go and it just came crashing down and all these bulbs broke. And I was oh, no. so embarrassed about like, I'm like thinking these, these people are going to think we are like the most fly by night company that doesn't know what the heck we're doing. We went back and uh, redid it. And uh, you know, I, as soon as it happened, I knew exactly what I'd done wrong. Um, and you know, le learn from your <laughs> mistakes, I guess. And I've not done it wrong since. And I try to convey that to the other employees, like, Hey, here's the right way to use this particular piece of equipment. Um, but yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty, uh, disheartening when that happened it definitely egg on our face but you know we were able to get it all cleaned up and put back up and it was a beautiful wedding and well, that's good at least it didn't happen during the wedding correct that would have been <laughs> way more embarrassing yes. way more embarrassing so well, it's always good to you know hum get humbled by you know some things like that and and you're absolutely right learn from your mistakes and don't let it grab you so much that you can't move yeah. I mean, again, we're human. We make mistakes. And the key is, is to uh, identify that mistake, figure out how to not do it again and move on. Um, and there's not time. I'm not telling you there isn't times I get mad at myself or I don't get, you know, I get mad at our coworkers or my employees um, for stuff that shouldn't have happened. But usually I try to just be like, okay, well, it happened. How do we make sure it doesn't happen? And how do we fix the problem that we now have encountered? Because, you know, whatever that mistake may be. And it, it's usually, thankfully, most of the mistakes aren't centered around like a safety thing. It's usually like, oh, we forgot to bring the stage legs for the stage or something. It's those are usually the ones that drive me crazy. But <laughs> we're only, you know, we're, we're only, we're human. We're not perfect. So yeah, things happen all the time. And that's, that's just the fact of the matter. It is the fact of the matter. So, <laughs> so <clears throat> for anybody who's who's looking for a staging company, where can people find you guys at? Well, we have uh, a website, StrayPro.com. Uh, it's probably not the greatest one, but you can check it out. We also are on social media, uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, and like you said, we're located at Rock Lidditz. Um and uh, yeah, like you said, we do staging, lights, sound, video. Uh, we have a lot of decor stuff, furniture, that kind of stuff for some of the the bigger galas and events. Um, so we're kind of the kind of the go to for a little bit of everything. So I got a few more questions to ask you. Yep. So what is what are some of the biggest mistakes that you have maybe made within uh, your career, and how can we prevent those for other people looking to make a career out of this? Oh man. Um, I'm not going to say I didn't make mistakes. I've definitely made mistakes, but 
I don't know that I try not to like harp on them too much, you know, like I, last year we made a purchase that, and I, there was no way for me to know at the time, but we made a purchase for a piece of equipment. We ended up not using it. Uh, I think we used it one time. It cost us a fair amount of money. And then this uh, probably a month ago, we sold it off and we lost, I don't know, $10,000 or something in that process. Um, It just didn't hold its value. Um, so naturally you look at that and you say, gosh, that was a huge mistake. I really wish that didn't happen, but harping on, it's not going to change anything. You know, like, again, uh, when we make mistakes, I might get frustrated. I might get angry, like, but we need to identify like how the mistake happened. How do we make sure it doesn't happen? And then just move on. Um, because you know, harping on the mistake, isn't going to change much. It's not going to fix anything. So you've done multiple events. What what is maybe one event that you haven't done but you might want to do outside of the worship one? You know, I was really looking forward. Uh, most people don't realize this. We were going to do creation this year. No. And so I was lo- really looking forward to creation. So I was hoping to do creation festival. Um, I Because of my involvement with WJTL, I have a, a lot of history with creation festival. I had been doing involved in the Creation Northeast Festival for, oh my gosh, I probably, I went to the Creation Northeast and helped in some fashion for probably over 15 years, if I had to guess. Um, I also went and helped with the Creation Northwest Festival, which was in uh, Washington State. Uh, I helped with that for, I don't know, eight years, including the first year. So I was out there helping uh, get, get it off the ground. And so uh, I have a lot of fond memories from creation, uh, not to mention I met my wife at creation. And so I was really looking forward to uh, Stray providing all the production services this year. And of course, then the the plug got pulled on that. Um, but looking forward to seeing what creation might do in the future. Uh, I know they're, they're having conversations about maybe some one day events or something. And so anxious to see what they do there. And hopefully we'll get the opportunity to be involved with them with that. So that'd be a, a lot of fun. Creation is, is a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. And again, you know, it, it definitely wasn't as big as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, we did the fringe stage last year and it was a lot of fun, but again, doing the whole event this year would have been phenomenal. Um, but yeah, a lot of memories and we'll, we'll just see what happens, what doors open. So if you could give a, a piece of advice to someone who wants to start a promotion company or wants to get in into this field, what would that be? Work hard. Yeah. Work hard. I, um, I don't want to sound like an old person that says the young kids don't want to don't want to put the work in, but I I do feel like that. I would I would agree with is often the case. Um, You know, if you ever have the opportunity, I don't know if you've ever interviewed uh, Fred McNaughton at all. I have. Okay, well, if you ever talk to Fred, it probably wasn't didn't happen on the podcast, but if you ever talk to Fred about how I really got my foot in the door there, uh, you know that and and how I built the company is just example of hard work. you know, essentially at JTL, like I said, I started volunteering with their concerts. Um, and then from there I did, uh, like a high school internship where I got some credits to, to be a volunteer throughout the week. Um, and just kind of got my foot in the door. And so, you know, I was willing to do anything and everything when I was at JTL, I, uh, got my foot in the door by helping empty the trash and vacuum and fold letters. And, you know, I was just willing to, to do something to stay there. Uh, and so eventually I became a DJ. Uh, and then from there, I don't know if I wasn't good or whatnot, but I, I was not a DJ anymore. Um, <laughs> that I don't think it was cause I wasn't good, but, uh, I got more involved in the concert end of things and, and some folks left. And so, you know, when I left, uh, WJTL, I was, you know, 
pretty pretty far up the food chain. Not that not that that really needs to be everything and anything, but but again, I went from the guy that was emptying the trash pretty far up the food chain, um, and that was just from hard work, being willing to help, being willing to do whatever. Um, and and I think you can tell from the stories about the candy bars and the snow blowing and lawn mowing and all that kind of stuff as a kid. And then, and then stray just saying, Hey, I'm going to take this 200 bucks and I'm just going to turn it over and turn it over and turn it over and turn it over. Like that's, that's, that's what I did, man. I put a tons of sweat, sweat equity into it. And so I think there are people that may look at me today and say, Hey, he drives a nice truck or you might have this or might have that, but that was not without like a ton of work. You know, I've just, I've, I've, I commonly work a hundred hours a week. Um, that's pretty common. And, uh, I, I don't even know the last time I had like a seven day vacation. Like I might take a day or two, uh, you know, an extended weekend, but I just, I put a lot of energy into it. And so, you know, I got to where I'm at from just, um, from wheeling and dealing and working hard and, and pouring my life into it. And, and I think if you want to get somewhere, that's usually what it takes. Let's say that's kind of the idea of the American dream is to, you know, pull up your bootstraps and just do it. Correct. And it's very much still alive. You just got to do it. Correct. And I think a lot of people just think like, well, I, I, I went to high school and then I went to college and then I did like, I, I deserve this. And it's like, well, no, that's not quite, it's not quite how it works. And, and no. frankly, there are people too, I should mention that work really, really hard and, and don't get further. Um, and that's okay. Like, yeah. you know, that's totally okay. But, but again, like that hard work, uh, often, you know, you, you reap what you sow. And so you put a lot of work into it. Often you'll get something out of it. And if it's not, you know, success, it's a lot of learning. Correct. And that I have learned a lot. So, <laughs> so you mentioned having, um, all of the, you know, working a hundred hours a week. And this is a question I wanted to ask you anyway, but how do you balance your, you know, your family life and, you know, just, you know, normal living? It's hard. It's not, it's not easy. And honestly, it's really hard in, in this profession. Um, I know a lot of other uh, companies at Rocklet that struggle with that. Um, when you think about some of these other companies that will, you know, they'll go out on the road for 40, 50, 60 days at a time, and they don't see their families hardly at all during that time. Uh, it's, it's a hard thing to do. Um, I'm pretty fortunate now that we have a, f- a good number of employees. The company is, uh, like I said, just growing immensely. And so I have a lot of, uh, and have surrounded myself with a lot of great people that I can rely on. So I can say, Hey, I, I need to go to this school thing, or I need to be a part of this meeting or whatever it is. Um, so I've got some people that I can lean pretty heavily on to, to make that happen. Um, also, you know, it's getting a little bit better cause my kids are older. So, uh, mm. you know, my oldest daughter, she's, she's, uh, employed by us. Uh, she's still in high school, but she's employed by us. So, you know, she'll come to work with me some, uh, and then the youngest two, they get drug into it, whether they like <laughs> it or not. Um, but even like this past week, um, there was a, a little event happening, uh, at a local venue. Um, and so I was there actually tearing down a little sound system in the morning and, I learned a little bit about this event they were doing, which was a fundraiser and it was a bingo thing. And it was on Sunday and it was pouring down rain on Sunday. And I just thought, this sounds fun. you like, you know, what, what am I going to do today? It's raining all day. And so I went home and said to my middle child, my oldest one had homework to do. And the youngest one was off doing some dance stuff. Uh, you know, she's heavily involved in the dance Academy locally. And so I went to the middle child and said, Hey, want to go play bingo. And so we went and helped uh, a local organization and, I uh, got to spend time with her doing that. So it's just, 
it's different, but you know, you gotta be, um, you just gotta put, put the time in, I guess. And, um, and, and, you know, I'm also fortunate enough to fortunate and unfortunate some days, but I work with my wife. And so, you know, we see each other at work often. Uh, and then we get to spend some time, uh, on the nights and weekends, maybe taking walks and, and just, uh, reconnecting or, or going out to dinner or whatnot. So that's awesome. You can bring your kids into some of the events you do. That's awesome. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't know if they're going to want to stay involved or if they're just, uh, going to go on to other interests and that's fine either way. I'm not going to push them one way or another. If they want to get involved in the family business, I think we would uh, welcome that. But, um, I have also made it pretty clear to them. They have to work their way there. You know, they're not, right. they're not coming in and expecting to get to the top. Uh, the, the, the oldest that works with us right now, I mean, she's helping fold pipe and drape and, you know, tear, tearing this down and tearing that down. And she knows that like, she's not just going to step into this and be granted the keys. That's definitely not going to happen. Well, yeah. Cause that's how businesses fail really. Correct. And, and again, I, I worked hard to get, get there and she needs to work hard if she wants to, to stay involved. And, and if she doesn't, that's fine too. I'll yeah. support her, whatever she wants to do. And more importantly, she needs to do the work so that way she knows what she's doing. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So how do you deal with burnout? Oh, the, is is that a thing for you or is that? No, it's definitely a thing. Um, yeah, it's definitely a thing. And uh, I probably don't deal with it well. Honestly, um, I probably need to find a new way to deal with it. I used to deal with it by going to the diner. That was like my go-to. Mm-hmm. Um I found a lot of um, joy and peace and going to the local diner and just sitting down and enjoying a meal by myself and just like decompressing. And, and like, that was, that was my thing, having a sweet tea and an omelet, you know Um, I've since tried to really back down on my diner intake. It's probably not the best for my uh, health at this age. And so I'm not saying I don't go there, but I mean, I was going there pretty often and, uh, I've tried to really back down on that. So right now, uh, I, probably the best way I deal with burnout is just trying to relax a little bit. Like I said, going for walks with my wife and, um, yeah, just take advantage of the downtime when I have it. So it's smelling the roses is, uh, you know what, in this business too, um, yeah, I'm sure you've heard the terminology, you gotta make hay while the sun shines. And that's really how it is. Uh, we're in certainly in a busy season right now. Um, you know, I think summer's just kicking up. Yeah. The spring's always busy graduations and, and, uh, fundraisers and banquets and that kind of stuff. Um, and so we're, we're certainly in a busy season right now, January, February, March, we're a lot slower. So I took some more time to work on some stuff around the house and just get some other stuff done that I wanted to get done, knowing that when it becomes nicer out, I might be out, you know, making hay. Um, but we have a pool too. So that's pretty nice to be able to come back and, long day and jump in that or just hang out for a little bit before I got to go back to work. So, Oh, I've, this has been a great time. I've really enjoyed this. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm, I'm honored that you asked me. I'm not sure that I'm that interesting, but I, uh, I had a great time. I I, I learned a lot. I think Fred's more enjoyable than me. Mm -hmm. Um, and you mentioned Jess Zimmerman. She's, she's definitely a super talented person. And now I've got to go back and listen to her, her podcast so I can see what she said. She'll listen to it first. So I knew, the pointers the fine pointers of trying to compete with her on numbers but <laughs> was there anything else you'd like to say about stray or any events that you coming up that you would really like to promote no i don't think so you know again we're here to we're here to serve the local community if there's something that you know you're interested in and in having us do uh feel free to reach out to us we'd love to to explore it and um 
I guess the only other thing we didn't really talk about uh, is really uh, we have a whole division of uh, guys that do uh, installation work. Um, so even uh, as we sit here in Studio B, Stray was very instrumental in the uh, Fry Center here uh, in the installation of, of the radio studio and the television studio. Um, and so that's just another area. And that actually has probably seen the most growth over the last couple of years. Uh, so we're working with a lot of local churches and theaters and, and whatnot, uh, installing permanent sound systems and lighting systems and video systems and flying rigs and all this fun stuff uh, for the, for the local uh, groups. And so that's definitely a division that, you know, if your church or organization is looking to purchase uh, some new equipment, feel free to reach out to us and we'll try to help you in that process as well. Well, this has been the story podcast. My name is Corey Rosen. You can find all about me and my projects over at CoreyRosenProductions.com. This has been Chris Strayer of Stray Productions. You can find it at StrayPro.com. Yep. And upcoming, we have some really cool things going on. This next week is packed with guests. <clears throat> this Friday, we have Mariah Corley. She's a, a, a pianist, a composer, a classical composer from the area. She comes on at 12 o'clock Friday. This Saturday, we have a rapper from the, from the local area, Lodi Lodi. And we have our songwriter studio where we grab three or four other songwriters or musicians in the area. And we've, we come together and the challenge is to write a song within an hour. We had our first one Monday and it went a lot yesterday. It went very well. I'm super excited for it. So I'm super excited for this, <clears throat> this uh, one on Saturday. Next week, we have Debo coming in at, at uh, 10 o'clock. He is one of the uh, most flamboyant Punk musicians around in the area. I'm really excited. He he came to the CPMAs dressed as a supervillain, and it was very entertaining to watch and and hear his music. So I'm super excited to hear about all of all of his processes and and he he does everything with all of his songs. So I'm really excited to see how he manages all of that because it's hard. And then uh, that's pretty much it for. For this next upcoming week, if you want to reach out to us, please be sure to go over to CoreyRoseProductions.com. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. We'll see you guys later. Bye.